Hey, podcasters. Great Friday podcast. Lots of fun. Uh, lots of coverage of the election. And and I, I, I do have to say, I feel bad because, well, bless their heart, the media is upset at us. And, uh, and, and so we just want to explain the truth to them. And we do. All this and so much more in a podcast you don't want to miss a second of today's podcast right now you go over to uh, blaze tv.com slash glenn if you use the promo code glenn you'll save 10 bucks on your subscription also subscribe to this podcast if you wouldn't mind if you go over to uh Stu does america today i have ben shapiro on uh which is a conversation i think you'll enjoy and don't care if glenn doesn't enjoy hey by the way happy anniversary if you were there with us on 828 in washington D's 10th anniversary blah 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 restoring honor here's a podcast Listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Pat, what do mm-hmm. you think of the uh, convention and the speech last night? Loved the speech last night. Yeah, loved it. And you know, as soon as soon as I was watching on Fox last night for the first time, and as soon as the speech ended, uh, Chris Wallace and others started tearing him apart because I guess it wasn't loud enough for them or wasn't rally. I was glad I was glad I liked his tone yeah when the audience they did it once they're like woo I was like oh stop that stop that and I think this was a a definite outreach to independence he's already got the base secure okay so let's show that the independence that they've got a comfortable place where you know you're he's not insane he's he's not out of control he's not what you think he is he's not what you've been told he yes. is that's for yes. darn sure yeah and i think he accomplished that really well last night so i felt really i was watching i felt really guilty really guilty about one thing in particular um you know i have no problem speaking out about the president's uh, policies and i have no problem saying in you know 2016 i don't think he's going to do any of those things mm-hmm. um because i didn't think he would he had no record of of actually believing any of these things um and uh i said it and i said at the time if i'm wrong i'll admit it and i have admitted that long ago as he started to fulfill those promises um, I was shocked by a lot of them. Um, and But last night, all I could think of was when he called me when my dad died. Do you remember what I said afterwards? Mm, said no. he called me because he had heard my dad died because we had to leave the hotel. I was staying at a Trump hotel. And um, he talked to me about my dad. And, and I hung up the phone and I said, he is running for president. And I, I, I attributed the entire phone call to politics. Mm-hmm. And in watching this week, uh, I, I think he is, I mean, I think he does not care about what he says about people in person. I mean, you know, on stage or whatever. He, w- he will mm-hmm. call you anything and say anything. He does not care. But I think he is publicly like that. And I, I, have, I am afraid I have misjudged him. I think privately, you know, the, the thing with Alice Johnson, all of the stories that came out this week from people who were not political, they didn't know Donald Trump. I think one of the mm-hmm. most important things about the two conventions was, one, you had a guy in office for 47 years who now says he's going to do these things. And they had a bunch of people say, look, I've known him for a long time and he's going to do those things. 
Okay, and they're asking you on Biden. Trust me. Trust me. I know him. The people that were speaking out about Donald Trump were the exact opposite. I didn't know him. I don't really know him. But look at what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's it, it just rang true to me. And I felt yeah. so bad about what I said, how I said things in 2016. Um and I've been feeling this way for a couple of days during this convention. Uh, and I just feel like I, I need to apologize to his children um, because I can't imagine. I mean, I just had Donald Trump Jr. on with us and I can't imagine he acted like we were old friends. I can't imagine they didn't have several conversations about me at the dinner table on some of the things that I said. Uh, and I really regret it because I, I do think publicly Twitter and everything else. I think the guy is out of control and doesn't care, doesn't care, enjoys it. But -hmm. I think privately he's a different guy because his children love him. And I don't believe like, for example, Ivanka is a psychopath. And how Mm -hmm. is it Ivanka loves him and all of his children love him as much as they do if he's a psychopath in real life? He's not. No, he's not. I don't think we ever said he was a psychopath. No, no, no. I know. But people think he is because yeah. he just doesn't seem like he cares. Yeah. You know, he'll say anything and it looks like he doesn't yeah. care. I don't, I don't think that's who he is. I don't know that we said anything is. wrong during the campaign, frankly. We disagreed with him on policy, mostly. Uh, and because he, you know, his, I, I his track his, record uh, was not one of a conservative. Correct. And if I would have left it at... If I would have left it at politics, I think I would have been fine because I've already mm-hmm. said I was wrong. And I said I would say I was wrong. Um, but I I um, really went after his character and he can be targeted with his character. Um, and I think that's fair. But I went after his character um, personally. And I think I was really wrong on the level mm-hmm. of I think when it's personal. And he's involved one in one on one. He does care. Oh, I think he does care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I that's you know. definitely the messaging. I think that they wanted to get through. Yeah, yeah. and it did, and it worked, and because it, it didn't, it felt real. You know, none of this felt staged or phony or not at all. You know, none of it seemed like okay, we're reaching out to the black people again. It didn't feel that no, way. No, because at it was all. It was black people who were saying, "Look at, I love this guy. Right, and this I, guy is going to take us to the next level." The Democrats haven't. Yeah, and like he said last night, I've done more for blacks in three years than Joe Biden's done in forty-seven. Yeah, <laughs> and it's true by a lot. It it's is true. It is. I mean, when yeah. you saw, I, I didn't know about the, you know, the funding of the, you know, the, the black colleges. I didn't, I just didn't know all of the things. Did you watch it from the it's beginning? A good list of stuff. It His was. speech? It, no, yeah. no, no. The uh, whole convention last night? Uh, most of it. Okay. I fell asleep at one point. All right. So I started watching it from the beginning and I was just watching the raw AP feed. Uh, and so I didn't hear any of the commentary and I saw everything that was on stage. They opened up with a couple of people um uh, both african-americans one was like look i grew up in really a bad section of town i never even thought about a republican um Mm -hmm. and he now works for the president and and was so full of joy it was an amazing uh testimony then this woman in houston who said two years ago i was homeless 
Yeah. Did you see that? Yes, was I did that see that. Was that powerful? Very powerful. And the way she ended it in saying, look, don't let anyone tell she you was you great. can't do it. Yeah, she was I'm, great. I'm closing on a new house at the end of the month. Yeah. I mean, it was great. And it was because of one of his programs. Right. And it, the other thing I thought was great was that montage they did of actual people who have changed from Democrat, Democrat. to Republican. Yeah. Uh, and especially the Democratic Socialist. Oh my gosh. Who said she's going to vote for Trump this time? And, that was powerful too. And the and wow. the skinny white kid with the big, you know, holes yeah, in his whole, ears. Yes. Yeah. He is yeah. he would not be pegged as a Republican no. ever. No. And he was like, you know, I have never voted for a Republican, but I was living in my apartment I think in New York and he said uh you know, I was talking to this neighbor who is black and I said, you know, what do you do or whatever? And she said, I'm in the system. And he said, I just realized everything that I thought I was for traps people. It just traps them. You know, mm-hmm. it was. Uh, did you guys see the Richard Grinnell uh, thing? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it was last night. Yeah. Or excuse me, night two before. nights ago. Yeah. Uh, where he was basically making the case as Donald Trump is the most pro gay rights president uh, yeah. ever. Uh, and it's interesting. I mean, we've been talking about that since the beginning. He, he's always been kind of uh, friendly uh, to to gay rights, I think. And the only um, one to ever be elected yeah. in favor of gay marriage. Yeah. But it was a power. It wasn't like they're reaching out to these groups and like they're not all consistent. You know, like this bashing of the 1994 crime bill, which is mm-hmm. a very, a very standard thing now that Republicans mm-hmm. are doing was something wildly supported by Republicans at the time. Uh, you know, being mm-hmm. tough on crime law, it was a law and order bill. Mm-hmm. And now at the same time, he's making this case for law and order. He's also kind of making the case against the crime bill because Biden voted for it. It's an interesting thing to try to pull off. I think the same thing goes with, with, you know, they did it with gay voters. I thought very well, when you outline everything that he uh, has done and has supported over the years, there's a very important, uh, uh, I think, successful outreach to gay voters who would not normally consider a Republican. Well, I think you can talk about it because you are the gay character on the show. I'm like a character, right? This, <laughs> so, this, this was the most important uh, part of the convention yeah. to me. But, you know, I think uh, the thing is, is the, the most important thing is, is that I don't know anybody who had a part uh, problem with any of that stuff. I don't know yeah. a single oh. conservative that this was the true representation of the Republican yeah, did Party. Anybody say, hey, Richard Grinnell shouldn't be speaking. He's gay. No, nobody yeah, said but, that. But, uh, the, the interesting dynamic as a party, just as an observer here, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. is that all the things that he was that Grinnell was hitting Biden on were things overwhelmingly supported by Republicans at the time. So, but here they but, were over right, right. like the, they were saying like, oh, he was really, uh, you know, Joe Biden was really late to gay marriage. OK, so wait a minute. One of the arguments. There's a difference. Now, I understand that as an outreach political tactic. Right. It is an interest. Look, the but, parties but, but are. It's uh, different. You're, I think you're missing something. Mm-hmm. What you're missing is we weren't talking about gay marriage last night. This this convention was not about policies. It was about the human and American heart. We can disagree on policies, mm-hmm. but we don't hate each other. Yeah, and that's one and, thing I think right. the, the, that, the bar has been so set powerful. low for Trump mm-hmm. because of how evil he's treated in the media all the time. He's the worst mm-hmm. guy ever. He's a racist. He hates gays. He hates Jews. He hates everybody. So just showing that the guy legitimately cares about people and, and mm-hmm. has empathy for people and has treated people nicely and has people like Richard Grinnell, who he's supposedly supposed to hate, who he's been elevated to roles never achieved achieved by any gay person in history in the united states at least out uh, outwardly right um that is an important message i think to get out to people yeah you know there was no way you could walk away if you watch this convention 
and listened. There is no way you could walk away and say that is a racist guy, a racist party, a gay bashing, gay hating, you know, uh, homosexual, uh, xenophobic party. There's no, no there's no way you could walk away unless and you say just that. didn't believe it. Which, by the way, a lot of people, you know, you watch the mainstream media reaction to it, and it's just so predictable. You know, they they were bringing out like, you know, look, yes, he says this, this, and this, but. But but look, at, I mean, even big reporters were doing it after this. I think that particularly the one with Grinnell, for whatever reason, really got under the skin of reporters who don't want to lose, you know, they don't want to lose that ground. They don't want to lose the we're the pro gay party crowd. Um, they don't want to lose the we we're the only ones African Americans are allowed to vote for. Those mm-hmm. sorts of things are really offensive really and get important. really under the skin of and not they, just the Democrats but the media in general. They knew it, and oh, that's yeah. why they did it. Oh yeah, and they did that's it. That's well. one of the I mean, reasons that they did it. Politically effective, I think. I I love some of the the little shots, the little poke them with pickle forks things that uh, Trump did during the speech last night that you know drove them out of their minds oh yeah out of their minds you know one of the things that drove them out of their minds and i just i have no problem as a historian you know of i hate to say that because i know how the press would react to that but i read a lot of history i've i've you know i go to original documents etc etc so as a quasi historian i was i'm bothered by the precedence of the backdrop being the white house this was the first time, and I hope it's the last time. If it was not the era of the pandemic, <laughs> I would have I would have yeah. been screaming bloody murder because I don't like that. Mm-hmm. However, with that being said, remember, this was his third choice as a backdrop. Yep. This is not his first. This was his third. Democratic City said, no, not here. Can't have that. Social All of that. Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, I'll do it from where I'm living. <laughs> uh, you know, it was then, not his first choice. It wasn't, but then he accentuated it last night just to get under their skin. How oh. many times did he point to the White House to show yeah. that he's there? The, the time that I it was it. like, you talk about a loved pickle it. fork, it was a giant pickle that he took <laughs> yes. when he took that fork out and said, you know what? They said this, but hey. Look where I live. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was really good. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Clarence Henderson. Civil rights activist, 1960s Woolworth lunch counter sit-in. Amazing guy, and uh, I just love him. And it's an honor to have you on the phone again, Clarence. How are you? Good morning, Glenn. Long time no see. I know, I know. I have been thinking about you a lot lately, um, before the GOP convention, because you actually were part of these protests in the 60s that mattered. And I know at the time... There was a real a lot of people were angry with Martin Luther King because he said, peace, you know, we are going to be peaceful. Take the beating. And there were a lot of people that didn't want to do that. They wanted to fight back. Um, And look where we are now. I mean, this is Malcolm X. If you're if we're lucky, what's happening on the street, but it's not usually black people. It seems to be a bunch of white people saying it uh, there for black people. 
Well, you know, it's amazing, uh, Glenn, because we need to understand that violence begets violence. And uh, we have, uh, people are talking about systemic racism. We have systemic corruption going on in this country, and we need to realize and recognize what's going on. This, uh, with all of our imperfections, we are the greatest country in the world, the light that shines on the hill. And I'm hoping that people will reckon with that and find their place in America where they can be successful and help us as a, as a society to be uh, that uh, uh, place that people can feel like they can come to and have the opportunity that America offers. And so what they're doing now is that they're taking away. It's not the idea is not to tear down. It's to build up. Even if it's buildings, relationships, or whatever, we have, in the words of Dr. King, unless we learn to live together as brothers, we'll perish together as food. And I am very concerned that people are caught up in these movements and they don't know what kind of movement it is. For me, there are two kinds of movements. One is the agenda driven movement where we're being oppressed back to King George III, and then there's the uh, principle driven movement where we're continually defending our freedom, such as your radio show. You're continually doing that. And you get ostracized for it, but you continue to go on. We have to do those kinds of things and to stand up for what is right for ourselves and for our children and grandchildren that's coming up behind us. So, Clarence, um, how do you what would you say to Democrats that are listening to and I think they know it in their heart? who are listening to the press and to the political leaders saying these are peaceful protests. Some of them may have been during the day at the beginning. I think there were lots of them, um, but they degenerated. And it's it's not even it's I don't think this has anything to do with black people any, anymore. This is all about revolution and anarchy. What do you say to break through to those people that are? It is. And, and, and what we have to realize is that we are a country of laws. Uh, we uh, have chosen to allow ourselves to be governed by the rule of law and not the rule of man. And so, therefore, when these situations come up, we have a judicial system, a court system, where we bring these things to the forefront and uh, let it be decided in a court system, not uh, and, uh, the judicial court system, and not the court of public opinion, where we become mob rule and becomes dangerous for everybody. Uh, if we're not careful, you have people riding around, uh, everybody saying, I have to take the law into myself because nobody's going to help me. For example, when you talk about the police, uh, uh, if they're not there, then what happens, especially mm-hmm. in the urban communities where I've li- I lived in uh, New York uh, back in the 60s uh, in Harlem. Mm-hmm. And uh, even at that time, when it's different than now, you know, one of the things that people would do when something came up, what do you do? You call the police. Because you got people in this country right now that are apprehensive about coming out of their own house. They're not bothering anybody. They're not wanting to participate in any protests or anything like that. They just want to be left alone. But these people here are jumping on old folks. Whoever gets in their way, I just in, uh, I'm still in D.C. right now, and I was at the uh, president's acceptance speech, and I saw, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't see it, but I ran Paul. They were all around him. We went in a different direction. So, we had just got through with having an uh, uh, acceptance speech, not bothering anybody, but all of a sudden they want to come in. These people want to come in and destroy all these things that we work for in this country. And it's time, it has to stop at this point. And I fault the uh, powers that be that are not doing anything about it because when, when it turns into violence, then we, there's an order we have to stop that. And a pre- peaceful protests are one thing, but when you uh, 
change it over to violence, then uh, it has something has to change. And so I am continually going across America talking about what we need to do to be, to unite ourselves and not divide ourselves. What's the biggest thing we need to do, Clarence? What is the, I mean, you lived at a time where when you stepped up to that, that uh, lunch counter in Greensboro, what were the possibilities of what was going to happen to you? Did you think at the well, time? I, I, the possibilities was I, I could have come out of there in a uh, vertical position, uh, going to jail and handcuffs. I could have come out of there in a prone position, uh, going to the hospital, to the morgue. And I reflected back on it, and that uh, the movie is uh, Braveheart, which says every man dies and not every man lives. And so the solution for me is that this thing has to be done by we, the people, and not they, the government. We cannot continue to allow, allow 535 people to tell 320 million plus people what they should or should not do. It is based on we, uh, when Thomas Jefferson said that America is an idea in the minds of men, people really don't know what that meant. He said that. America should always go by the choices that we make, and it should be done at the polls at the election. Let us decide how, what kind of country we want to live in. And we have all of these things that people vote for, and then we have some elected official or somebody that's appointed that wants to come in and change it. For, for example, the definition of marriage. Uh, in North Carolina, 66% of the voters decided it would be based on traditional marriage, but some judge, I think it was up in Asheville, uh, it was a case brought before him, and he decided it should not be that. And so we're in this quagmire where we're in right now. So it's we, the people, have to come back and uh, start to have meetings. And some of the people that are sitting in office right now in the Democratic Party, for example, which is so far removed from reality, they must be removed. And who, even if, if it's somebody in the Republican Party, the same thing, they need to be voted out and have people come in and understand. For example, I'll take a guy like yourself, non-political, but you know what's going on in America. You would... It would be served better by a person like myself or you that really has a handle on what's going on in America and really go and serve the people. So we got to find those kind of people to, uh, to vote into our, our, our elected system and run and uh, uh, serve this country. Uh, and we have to do a better job of vetting our uh, politicians before they get in office. Because Maybe. politicians are a dime a dozen, but leaders are priceless. That's what Donald Trump is to me, a roughly human man, but he gets things done. And I feel as though we saw the side of Donald Trump that nobody wants us to see, that side that actually privately, I mean, he can say a lot of things on Twitter and say a lot of things in speeches, but he obviously cares um, and obviously uh, has made, I mean, the Alice Johnson thing. I mean, it, mm -hmm. the things that he's doing, you don't do. Uh, unless you actually care, you know, the way he's handled these things. And I, th I thought the GOP convention uh, showed the Republicans or the conservatives uh, for who they really are through actions. You know, there was this was a unbelievable outreach to the African-American community, and it wasn't pandering. Did you feel there was any pandering to anybody at at any time in this? convention oh no, i had a chat i i, I give you, uh, an example i had a chance last night to beat vernon johnson uh the guy that's a democrat out of georgia that spoke and said he was going to vote for donald trump uh a tremendous guy that his eyes have opened up to see what the the party is doing because uh i was a democrat long and i've been a republican but when my eyes were opened up then i knew the direction i need to go in so there was total sincerity there 
people caring about each other, wanting mm-hmm. to get something done. It was such a peaceful situation going on there last night. People were standing up cheering. It looked like America. And it I, did. It brought me back to what America is like. This this week has shown all, all the people that saw it on TV or saw it wherever have seen what America looks like and what this country it has been founded on. People striving to become successful. People looking for the opportunities that America offers. Because see, you see, Glenn, there is a formula for success in America, but most people are concentrating on looking at somebody else, comparing rather than competing. Yep. And the formula is a free market capitalistic system, of which uh, a lot of Democrats have used, and now they're talking about socialism. you got uh, uh, uh uh, Bernie Sanders, how do he his money? I mean, through the free market capitalist system, but he's espousing uh, socialism, which leads to communism, and that's that's not the way that this country works. I am so glad to talk to you every time we get a chance to talk. Um, it has been too long, Clarence. Thank you so much. You're quite welcome, Glenn. And look, I look forward to the next time we meet. You got it. God bless. Clarence Henderson, civil rights activist, the guy in the prominently in the Woolworth lunch counter sit in the pictures that we all grew up with. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. His name is Curtis Houck. He's the managing editor of Newsbusters, and I didn't know that he was at 828 until just about uh, five minutes ago. Curtis, welcome to the program. How are you? Good to be with you, Glenn. Again, yeah, it is an honor. And uh, yeah, 18-year-old Curtis would be uh, absolutely floored uh, if uh, 10 years later to the day, here we are. It's amazing. How did that affect you? Well, I... I mean, it was just a culmination of, you know, watching you and reading you for so many years. A lot of the things, you know, about the founders and really what the left has been trying to instill in so many other Americans and trying to do to remake this country. uh, I learned from watching and reading you. And so being able to go to an event like that and be with you know, hundreds of thousands of like-minded conservatives and not even conservatives, people who just love this country and care about the constitution, uh, being able to go with my dad and mm. some of his friends. And, uh, oh, cool. I mean, it, it just meant the world to me. Well, Curtis, thank you very much. Um, uh, thanks for going and, and thanks for remembering it. It's, um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it me, it's meaningful. All right. At Newsbusters, you have been watching the meltdowns of the mainstream media. So we want to go over the, uh, the RNC convention uh, and just get some highlights from you on uh, how bad was the meltdown and what do you think it w- was the best meltdown from the, uh, from the mainstream media? Well, first I'll say that I think going back to what you've been talking about this morning, which is what a contrast it, it, this has allowed us. You know, really, between the DNC, the media saying this was Biden's finest hour. He was like a preacher at the pulpit. He was optimistic, holding a fireside chat. (laughs) Whereas in contrast, Donald Trump has no hope, no hope. Uh, It was dark and filled with darkness. He had harsh (laughs) attacks. It was more of the same. Uh, And he just wants to, quote, own the libs. 
Uh, I mean, it was really just absolutely incredible. But my biggest meltdown was actually from before the whole speech happened. MSNBC last night, you know, over the course of two hours leading up to the speech, were actually saying the president, quote, doesn't care if people, quote, get killed or sick from the coronavirus by attending this event. Um, I mean, it's just, I often tell my colleagues about how the media just empty their thesauruses, talking, <laughs> trying to figure 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 out like how how they can like melt down and describe what they're seeing. But really, this week they definitely earned it. They're getting those pages are well loved. Do you think, Curtis, that there is a an awakening beyond the uh, conservatives and Republicans that there is an awakening on the press? especially over the last two weeks of like, oh my, I mean, you're in an Alice in Wonderland world. Right. And especially because of the fact that the news media are saying what's going on outside on America's streets is not happening. Right. Uh, they're, they're saying that they're mocking the president for saying that there's anarchy in the streets. You know, you have, you know, going back to, yeah, looking at Ferguson, what was going on? You know, this goes to the the CNN Chiron. That, uh, <laughs> hopefully, people saw this I week fiery, this. but mostly peaceful protests. Right, going on. Well, they had to do That's something. They had to do something. This is the third time there has been burning cars in the background, and they're talking about a peaceful protest. So this time, they just while they're talking about peaceful protest, they just put in the Chiron fiery. But mostly peaceful. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you can, I mean, this is like not the onion, not the Babylon Bee on overdrive. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it, it is one of those things that you can. This can't be real. Oh, yes, it's real. I saw a great Babylon Bee uh, story came out last night that uh, Babylon Bee just bought their biggest competitor, uh, CNN. Um, exactly okay so uh, let me go to the hypocrisy um Mm -hmm. your favorite hypocrisy moment over an rnc speech yeah i and i took a big look at the week and one of my colleagues over at newsbusters has been crunching the numbers about how much time msnbc has been refusing to carry the speech. Um, Really, after the news media in totality carried about 90% of the DNC. uh, So let's, the first night, they skipped 33 minutes, uh, night two, 37 minutes, night three, uh, you know, with the vice president, 50 minutes. uh, And we're looking to, 50 minutes, and we're looking to be well over that, Cross probably closer to an hour at least uh, for tonight once we finish the numbers today. And they, they, they just skipped it entirely, talked over it. Correct. They talked over it. And I think going back to one of your other points from earlier this morning about stories and speakers that humanize the president. You know, Tara Myers talking about her uh, son with Down syndrome. You know, Caleb Mueller's family, uh, Chinese activist Chang Guang Chang. He, all of those speeches were not carried by MSNBC. And it's very intentional. You know, with the media, sometimes they're kind of, uh, they stumble into their ways. But, you know, in a lot of these instances, they know exactly what they're doing. This isn't a case of ignorance with the news media, especially uh, this past week. 
so how is america going to react to this did do you think enough people that were independent uh or you know democrat by by record but are kind of sick of this do do you do you think enough people saw the real message? Because the real message is most of them did not come from the politicians. It came from the real people. Yeah, I think that's such a great point. And it's people from all over the country that spoke, really. Um, it covered, you know, Tennessee, Minnesota, everywhere in between. Uh, and then, yeah, the news media, it, and I absolutely think it is because you're seeing it in the polling. You know, Stu talked about, you know, Black Lives Matter uh, support just cratering. Uh, you have seen an admitting that this is showing up in polling. You've seen mm-hmm. the governor of Oregon saying, oh, the violence is bad. Oh, my gosh, we totally condemn all this. Uh, and now we're, people are waking up this morning to see that a U.S. senator and his wife uh, required a barricade of police officers and their bikes to get them to safety. Um, it's like what happened in the 1960s. You know, people turned on their televisions and saw what was going on to peaceful protesters uh, that were marching and sitting at lunch counters. Uh, and they're seeing what's going on in these cities and they're seeing the emotion of these people that have lost everything. And over on the other side, you have a news media that's kind of saying, well, they have insurance, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's because it's not, it, it's not happening to them that there's just no, empathy they talk about the president not having empathy oh yeah uh i mean it is an olinsky you know strategy of projecting onto your opponents kind of where you are yeah curtis hauck uh managing editor of Newsbusters. Uh, what a great uh what a great day to talk to you curtis um on the yeah. anniversary of 828 thank you so much na, 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 na.